Let's pray and we'll get started tonight. Father, we just want to come to you thankful for all your blessings, God. I'm uh, just so thankful for all that you do, all that you are to us, God. Uh, as the week is, as the daylight savings time has changed, the hours a little bit, God, I've been out, able to get out and see the sunrise, God. And I'm so, I'm reminded every time, God, that you're in control of all things. God, it helps me to set my day in order sometimes, God, when I see how you've already set it in order. God, you make things happen, Lord, over and over again. Lord, you're so faithful to us. So, God, as we come tonight, Lord, and as we talk about rest, as we talk about mercy, I pray, God, that you would be in the midst of our conversations, God. I pray that your name would be above every name. And I pray, God, that when we're seeking for rest, God, and we're really truly looking for it, we're looking for mercy, God. Sometimes we need to look for it first from you, God. Uh, sometimes we're so hard on ourselves, God, that we don't need to seek rest or mercy. And so, God, I pray we would understand, Lord, that that rest and mercy is found in Christ and in Christ alone. So help us tonight as we talk and uh, wrap up this uh, marriage series. Lord, we only got one more week. And I'm so thankful, Lord, for all that you've taught us, all that you've went through. And I just pray again we would finish strong. All these things we ask in Christ's name. Amen. All right, so rest. It is only rest in God's presence and grace that will make you a joyful and patient parent. So when we talk about rest, what comes to y'all's mind when you think of rest? Is it a nap? Is it silence? What comes to mind when you think of rest? Peace of mind, that's good. Mm -hmm. I was going to say for, for everybody else, I don't think that they had a definition that come up there. But Have you all ever read in, in the scriptures and looked up rest? Here's a, here's a fun reading assignment. Go to the book of Hebrews. Uh, I looked it up before here. I think it's chapter 4. Yeah, chapter 4. It talks a lot about rest when he's talking there. It talks about how we rest in our souls. Sometimes that's the problem. We're looking for rest in the world. We need to realize there's going to be a rest one day, but we need to rest in the Lord. God is never going to ask us to deny the reality of your everyday moment-by-moment -moment parenting struggle. Have you all had a struggle this week? You know what happens when we have struggles? We learn things. Something to think, what's some of the things that we learn? Patience. Sometimes, sometimes we go through things where God reveals something in us that we couldn't quite see. That's all right. Right. So we go through all these struggles because they're producing something in us that we could not do on our own. I think that's the point of it, right? So, you know, God's never going to ask us to deny, hey, you know what, we're having struggles. The problem is who do we turn to when we have struggles? Who do we blame when we have struggles? Biblical faith never requires us to deny reality. Rather, it calls us to look at all the troubling realities in our life through the lens of our Redeemer. If you spend your mental and spiritual time meditating on the struggle and not meditating on the Lord, you're probably going to fail. So if we were to look at a parenting passage in the Bible, could anybody name me one that you'd think of that the Scriptures would tell us right off the bat is probably one of the best parenting passages in the Bible? That's good. Mm -hmm. What about uh, Ephesians? Does Paul say anything to us there? Ephesians 6, verse 1, does anybody know what that says? Children, obey your parents in the Lord for it's right, right? That's something that I know I quoted my kids to the point where they, uh, they, they had it memorized, but I don't think they understood. I was trying to get them to say, do something because of how I wanted, not how God wanted. Um, the, the problem we have, hey guys, how are y'all? Uh, the problem we have is the Bible is not organized topically. So when we go looking for stuff, you know what? Well, it's not like you can flip to it and go, hold on. This page here is going to tell me how to do this. And this page here is going to tell me how to do this. Why do you think God didn't organize it topically? Where you can say, hold on, parenting, page 1134. Read right there. Oh, hold on. We need to know about marriage. It's page 901. 
The Bible's not organized topically, so we can peruse it like a recipe book, looking for that recipe that we want to hear and taste today. That's not what it's like. Um, God designed the Bible as a grand redemptive story with essential notes for our explanation and edification. Each passage that you read here is going to tell you something about God. It's going to tell you something about yourself. It's going to tell you something about sin. It's going to tell you something about life in the fallen world, something about what God's called you to do, and something about the marvelous grace God's shown. Every passage throughout the Scriptures. We fail to utilize it correctly when we are constantly searching for an answer for what we face today instead of the truth of what God says. Now hear me, the Bible has answers for what you face today. But it's not our normal thing where we just flip to that and miss the rest of it. Um, so it's not like we should approach it like uh, the magic eight ball. Right, you shake it up. Okay, this is what I'm going to do. That's not how the Bible works, right? The best parenting passage is actually found in Matthew 28, verses 18 through 20. So if we'd turn there real quick, like, I'd like to look at that. Did that scare them off? Did you scare them off? Okay, come on now. Matthew 18, or excuse me, Matthew 28, verses 18 through 20. So this is known as what? The Great Commission, right? But the principles here offer real hope and help to every Christian parent. It captures with clarity what God has called you to and what He has promised you as you take on this important and lifelong task. So let's look at the verses and go through just a couple of truths here as we go through. So the very first verse says, All authority has been given to me in heaven and earth. Does that mean He has been given authority over your child? Over the outcome of your child? Over the outcome of you raising that child? The problem sometimes is we don't think that God has the authority. We think that we do. We need to understand, guess what? If God said He's got it, does He have it? Why do we try to take it back from Him so often? We think we're God and we think we know better at that time. Or maybe we're waiting and we're tired of waiting and we're like, well, I just got to do this now. I've just got to make a choice. Most of the time if we're waiting, sometimes we need to wait a little longer. Sometimes we need to seek a little harder, find a couple more answers, right? This commission that follows is given in light of the authority of Jesus. Jesus has what kind of authority? All, All authority. Over what? Heaven and earth. Is there any other place? <coughs> Not that I know of. I mean, there might be some aliens somewhere that's what to keep hearing, right? Mm, there's something underneath Antarctica, but guess what? That's on heaven and earth, right? Jesus has all authority. And because he has all authority, he's told us to go do something. What does he tell us to go do next? Make disciples, right? Make sure, I want to say one thing before I get to that point. I, I skipped my Spurgeon quote here, and I, I really don't like when I do that. So I want to go back and read that. Um, Spurgeon says this, We do not seek any other power. We defy every other power. We know our powerlessness will not hinder the progress of His kingdom, and we give all our power unto Him. Power. Jesus has it. We have been given some. right? Have you been given some authority? If you have children, if you have different places, if you work, you've been given some authority. Where should that authority rest? It should rest in the power that's found in Christ. All of it belongs to Him. So we're commanded to go. So does that mean we're supposed to go to Africa? What about India? Where is He telling us to go? All the nations. Does that mean we should load up a bus tonight and take off overseas? Mm-hmm. So wherever God has planted you, right? Is that a better way of looking at it? So guess what? Some of us have influence over the nations. I have calls that I'm on from work, and guess what? There's people in England. There's people in India. It's amazing. The company I work for 
previously, we did a lot of stuff and did stuff with people in China. So guess what I had the opportunity to do? I had the opportunity to go and make a disciple, cast out that seed in front of other people. So we're supposed to go and make disciples. We're in Matthew 28, verses 18 through 20. I'm going to ask you in just a moment some thoughts and observations from it. So we're supposed to go and make disciples of how, what, what part of the nations? Have y'all noticed that there's a lot of alls in here? All authority? All the nations? All things? He's with us always. There's a lot of alls in there, right? Jesus, did who is he talking to here? Who is he telling to go? Hmm? Mm-hmm. All of his. If you go up and look at the verse before it, it says, then the 11 disciples went away, and he's talking to them primarily right then, right? Who are those disciples? Peter, James, John. Okay, thank you. Who's who's missing? Yeah, yeah, he's missing. But he's talking to all. We're all imperfect and ready to go do that. Didn't they just not not that many days before betray him? As far as running away from him in front of everybody else, is these people ready to take on the world? Where do they go from here if we just go forward a little bit? They go to Pentecost, but before Pentecost, where were they? They were hiding in a room. They were waiting, right? Because he told them to go away, right? It's going to happen. But they were waiting. And then all of a sudden, something miraculous happens, right? All of a sudden, they were ready to go and make disciples. What do you think it means when it says make disciples? Every time I hear the word make, that has, you know, if you've ever worked in a plant or you've ever done anything, Making always is something that I think of doing something with your hands, right? Or a machine of some kind of, you know. But if you want to make a planter, right, Winston, how do you make that, Caleb? What do y'all do? You put an order in and somebody makes it and ships it over from China? Is that how it works? Resell it at a higher price. (laughs) No. You have to do what? You have to put your hands on things. You have to get involved and invested in it. Making disciples is going to cost you something. It's going to cost you first and foremost. It's going to cost some of your time. It's going to potentially cost some of your talent, whatever God's giving you, and it will definitely cost you some of your treasure. Is it worth it? Absolutely, absolutely, right? It's absolutely worth it. And again, we're to go to all the nations. We have some issues today. I don't know if y'all were surprised about all the stuff that's went on in Israel, but I've actually been a little surprised by the response in America. I was really shocked by a lot of people's response to that. Because guess what? A lot of people don't like the Jews. Why is that? I think it goes all the way back to here, right? They've been, hold on, let's go back to the very beginning. They've been shunned and hurt and persecuted throughout time, and it's going to continue that way. But we're supposed to go to where? All the nations. No matter what your prejudice is. No matter what you don't like. We're to go to all the nations. Now, we're talking about the context of parenting, right? So you're going to go to all your children, even that one that really works on your nerves. I'm sure, you know, some of y'all know who you are, right? And then we're supposed to do what? We're supposed to make disciples of all the nations, then we're supposed to baptize them. Why do you think he lists off the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit? Why do you think he does that? Does any of y'all think at all right now? about Why, why do you think he lists off all three? Why don't you just say baptize in the name of Jesus? Is it important that he lists all three out? Mm-hmm. 
He said it's got to be pretty important, right? That's why I ask sometimes. I'm, I'm trying to, you know, get some feedback a little bit. Why do you think he says that? In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. When we baptize somebody, is that what we say when we put them under the water? Why? Because the Bible says it. it's pretty important, right? And it's also, what is he doing here? He's making sure we understand that there's a triune God, right? There are three in one. And so he tells them then to teach them to observe all things that I've commanded you. So real discipleship is teaching people to observe. What does it mean to observe? To watch, to see, right? To observe all things that I've commanded you. What did Jesus command us? To abide in Him. Did he, did he give some clear commands in Scripture? So if we're discipling someone, what should we go through when we're discipling? Bless you. Thank you. We should be blessing others, right? Yeah, bless. What? what else? We should be talk, going through the Scriptures and saying, what did Jesus command us to do so that we can tell other people to do it? And then what should we do it? We should, we should be doing it together, right? Part of the teacher is to be explaining it to people and then having a model, I think you said that earlier, of doing what you actually say that they should be doing. All authority has been given to observe all things. And then here's the key. Did he leave us by ourselves? He says, I'm with you when? Just when you're at church, right? That's when we sing songs and we worship is when we come here, right? No, I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. Mm. Man, a couple of things that this comes out of here. His presence means we have protection. We're never out of his sight. We're never out of His supervision. His presence also means we have peace because it reminds us that the church belongs to who? To Jesus. It's His church, His work. It also means that His presence brings us power because there's only one way we can fulfill the Great Commission. It's through Christ. We cannot do it on our own. So make sure we understand that. A couple other truths from this passage about the grace of God. You will not be punished for your failure as a parent. I think sometimes we view God as up there with a big stick and He's just waiting on us to show up so He can hit us in the head. That is a fallacy. Y'all agree or disagree with me? Are we going to get up to heaven one day and just get thoroughly beat by God over all the little things that we did or didn't do? I don't believe it. Mm. You are welcome to new beginnings. This tells us, you know what? It's never over with your kids. It's never over with other people. You always can have a new beginning. You're not left with limited resources. How much authority do we have? All authority, right? God blesses us with the best source of wisdom and practical guidance, His Word. We have something that He's left us. We don't have to carry the burden of our child's welfare every day. We can trust that, hold on, is He with us always? Is He with us even during the times when we don't know what to do next? Yes, He is. Another great promise out of here is God never closes His ears to our cries for help. Mm. Weakness is not a, a curse, it's a blessing. Because when we are weak, He's made strong. I don't know about y'all, I like that verse, but I don't like that verse. Right? The other thing about the foolishness of the world, of course, I can't help that oftentimes. But, you know, we have to understand weakness is not a curse, it's a blessing. It drives us to our knees and to the Father. And success is really all about faithfulness. It's not about results. 
Oftentimes we're looking for a certain result, a certain standard, a certain thing, and when it don't get that, we think we failed. No, success is about being faithful. And that's the key there. So that is talking about, what was the topic here? Nobody remembers. Rest. Okay. And the homework assignment was Hebrews, right? Good job. You're awesome, man. All right. And then the last portion we're going to talk about is mercy. No parent gives mercy better than one who is convinced that they desperately need it themselves. Mm. I think that's true about for anybody, right? Very difficult to receive mercy if you don't show any. God's mercy is the need and hope of every human being, whether they know it or not. And God's mercy is the place of comfort for every one of His children. Every day you are blessed by God's mercy. Some passages for you to think about as we go. I'll just call them out here. You can look them up later. Bunch in the Psalms. Psalm 23, verse 6. Psalm 27, verse 6. Psalm 40, verse 11. Psalm 103, verse 4. Psalm 145, verse 9. Lots of good scriptural mercy in the Psalms. Isaiah 30, 18. Ephesians 2, 4, and Hebrews 4, 16. Your primary calling as a parent is not, first, is not first to represent God's judgment, but rather to constantly deliver His mercy. And in the book, it talked really interesting. It said, mercy is parenting with a tender heart. And I thought, wow. How many of y'all today would be described as someone who has a tender heart by other people? Is that, is that a characteristic in our culture that's looked on and said, wow, that's awesome? <clears throat> Do what? They mistake it. Mm. Equated to tolerance. Right. I think mercy is, uh, you can say, strength under control, right? That part of being merciful. Mercy, is it a normal response? What's the normal response instead of mercy for someone? What's the flip side of it? Lashing back our judgment. <coughs> How many of y'all looked at somebody and said, I prob- they're probably in that situation because they deserve it? Do you know why they're there? Do you know what's happened? Was it a surprise to God that they're where they are at that particular moment? I saw a bumper sticker um, yesterday that said, among many other other bumper stickers on that car, it said, um, have the day you deserve. Mm. And I was like, Okay. <laughs> mm. They didn't grow up in the church I did because yeah. that would not be. Mm. Wow. Like either there, it could go either way. It could be like, mm. you know, the laws behind them. The laws behind them are the ice cream trucks in front of them. One of the two, right? I was gonna say the laws behind them are the ice cream trucks in front of them. It really, I, you know, you could go any direction there. Mm. That's a strange one. Mm. How often have you seen or heard a parent who's tender towards their child? When you see or hear that, what does it do? Does it draw you? Hmm? Sometimes it stops you for a little bit and you go, wow. We need that. We need that in front of us. Someone who shows compassion towards somebody who doesn't deserve it. Because when we see that kind of compassion, there's obviously already a correlation, right? We can think of who else was compassionate towards us. That while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us, right? Mercy, though, it's not a normal response. At least it's not for me. It's more natural for me to be harsh 
matter-of-fact, demanding, impatient. I mean, she can give a witness to all of those things, right? It's not an excuse. It's just me being honest about my response to, so often to those that I love the most. I'm a sinner. I need mercy, and yet often I don't give it. I guess that if we're honest, most of us would have that. We give mercy to who we think it's due, not to whom it actually is. Speaking of mercy, man, we need to have some mercy for Nikki. Um, oh, I'm thankful that God doesn't look at me just like I look at others with harshness, with being demanding, with being impatient, but He looks on us how? With mercy and grace. And when I consider this amazing response from God, it should help me when dealing with others to also extend mercy and grace. Mercy begets mercy. Grace begets grace. What you freely receive from God, mercy, love, and grace, should in turn flow from your life to others. Now let's look at the book of James real quick. Like James 2, James chapter 2. James chapter 2, verse 10. James chapter 2, verse 10 says this, For whoever shall keep the whole law and yet stumble in one point, he is guilty of all. Now who is that referring to? All of us sitting here, right? For he who said do not commit adultery also said do not commit, uh, do not murder. Now, if you do not commit adultery, but you do murder, you have become a transgressor of the law. So speak and so do as those who will be judged by the law of liberty. For judgment is without mercy to the one who has shown no mercy. Mercy triumphs over judgment. That's a great statement there. I mean, sometimes we live in such a judgmental world. We're constantly looking at other people and making judgments. I'm thankful it says here that mercy triumphs. It wins over judgment. We, we desperately need that today. I'm thankful that God doesn't again return that towards me. So one of the things we talked about at the beginning here is that we're God's ambassadors, right? These children don't belong to us. We're God's ambassadors. And we've got to faithfully represent His message, His methods, and the and character to His children. And we've got to understand mercy is something that we all need. If you forget who you are and what you need, it becomes easier to parent your children without mercy. We need mercy. A couple of things to take away on the mercy chapter here. We need to look for every opportunity to shower your children with grace. When's the last time you did that? When's the last time you did it to other people? Show them grace instead of judgment. Show them grace instead of rules. We need to be careful to help our children see the heart behind the behavior. Oftentimes, guess what? We just see the outside. We don't see what's going on underneath. And there's something going on underneath that is expressing this out here. We need to look at the heart. We need to be patiently committed to the process. Is it going to happen overnight? Sanctification takes what? A lifetime. You don't get there. We need to point our kids every day to Christ. We need to humbly accept our limits. The fact that, guess what? You can't do everything. You can't be everything. You can't go everywhere. Sometimes I think we set the bar so high that we can never, ever get there. We all have limitations. We need to willingly confess our faults. The Bible talks about what? We should confess our faults one to another. You know one of the reasons why we don't? Because we're proud, arrogant people. And we judge everybody else and expect that, hey, nobody's looking at what we've got going on. 
The Bible talks about what? We're supposed to do something in our eye before we can do something in somebody else's. It's like a sequoia tree. It's like one of those where you're this big. and it's, you know That's the problem we have. We can't see very good. We need to root all that we require, say, and do in the wisdom of Scripture. We don't need to treat our opportunities like hassles. How often have we seen things that thought, man, this is a great thing. It's like, I just ain't got the time. I just can't deal with this. No. Lots of times opportunities are, are guys like that, but we need to understand it's a great opportunity. I think it tells us also in the book of James here, we need to be slow to anger and quick to forgive. We need to pray before, during, and after. I think that's without ceasing. Is that right? And then we need to do all these things over and over again so that we can make sure our children see the mercy of God. So here's what I want to do. I want to pray. We've went through both of these. And uh, I think tonight, if it's all right with you, we'll just all stay as one group and you can lead us. Is that all right with you, Eric? Okay, that's good. We're going to do that anyway because that's good for us. So let's pray and then we'll have a larger group time tonight. Father, we want to come to you tonight thankful that we can find rest in Christ and rest in Christ alone. Same thing for mercy. God, I'm thankful that you showed us mercy before we even knew we needed mercy, God. So God, help us to be quick to show other people mercy. God, we need it. Desperately need it, God. So I pray tonight, Lord, as we discuss, as we talk about some of the passages we've read and some of the different truths we've heard, God, I pray that you would help our speech, our conduct to be about you. I pray, Lord, that you would shape and refine our minds and our hearts, God, to when we go out tomorrow and we actually do the things that we're supposed to be doing, I pray that we would do them differently because we've learned about how we should rest and rest in you and have mercy on other people, Lord. Mercy on our children. Lord, sometimes we need to have mercy on ourselves. So God, I just pray, Lord, you would help us in this season, help us in this time, and I pray, God, that your word would be supreme in our conversation and in our conduct. And I pray all this in Christ's name.